please concentrate on this object I have in my hand, Professor. Wristwatch. Leather band. Brass, not gold. Oh, old, worn down, but it's full of meaning. Oh, it wasn't yours originally, was it? You took it, or you stole it, didn't you? We interrupt this program to bring you a special report. This is Cheap Seat Reviews. Sorry, my dog just literally shat on my feet. Like I go to a haunted house and I am afraid of clowns. If Jiminy Cricket were a boozy uh, mentalist who gets poisoned. Hello, and thank you for listening to Cheap Seat Reviews, the podcast that explores the Hollywood film industry for the greater good. The greater good. Yeah, there you go. No, that's a pretty good Bradley Cooper. I like it. That's uh, pretty close. I don't, know that that, I don't know that that's who I was going for, but thanks. Well, just kind of <laughs> subtle Southern, I think, is what you're going for, right? Subtle Southern, sure. Yeah. You should have just went with it. <laughs> no, it was good. I like it. I appreciate that. This is episode 403. 403. 403. Uh, I still can't believe that we made it to 400, honestly. Uh, and tonight we're talking about Nightmare Alley, Nightmare Alley, the 2021 uh, Guillermo del Toro. I don't think I said that right, but uh, you didn't. <laughs> yeah, uh, his name is hard for me for some reason. Uh, movie from 2021. Like I said, uh, I am Sean Allred and joining me tonight is Andrew. This movie gives a new meaning to the word geek, Jimison. Yeah, I used to call people geeks. I, I think I was called a geek at one point. And I think I learned in fourth grade what it actually meant. But it wasn't until this viewing that I actually really knew what it meant. Yeah. Like someone said, a geek is someone that bites the head off a chicken. But I thought, yeah, okay. I saw it in my head kind of cartoon-like. But actually seeing somebody do it, I'm not about that life. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. Uh, again, no more Sam. Not no more Sam. Just no Sam this week. No, he's still on the show. He's just, done. No, he dead. He, yeah, we didn't. <laughs> he hasn't been fired. Uh, no, just no Sam this week. Still on his uh, vacation. Making her cheap seat reviews debut is Carrie. For a movie called Nightmare Alley, there wasn't a whole lot of nightmares or alleys from the Dick Tales podcast. Hey guys, what's up? Um, yeah, I want to say, I don't really have anything to say about your alley comment, but back to the geek thing, I also didn't know what that meant. I looked it up. Like I looked up geek carnival, just like, is that really what geek means? It kind of blew my mind watching this movie. Yeah. It's, uh, so we learned, we all learned something. We, we did. We all did learn something. So Carrie, thank you so much for coming on the show. We're very excited to have you. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm really excited. This is only my second guest spot, so this is a big deal for all of us, I think. Oh, it's definitely a big deal for us. I am a fan of your show. It is very fun and informative, mm -hmm. and um, yeah. In informative how? Informative of um, basically 
So your show, why don't you just take a couple of seconds here and just kind of tell people what your show is so that we'll have a little bit of context throughout the podcast. Okay, got it. Um, my show is called Dick Tales. It's sex, dating, and all the things. It initially was me and my best friend, and now it's just me and whatever guest I have on talking about our dating lives, essentially. Um, we were both single on the apps, struggling to figure out what the hell's going on because you meet a lot of weirdos. So we have a lot of dating horror stories, some good stories, but I usually keep those to myself. <laughs> I like to just kind of sprinkle them in every once in a while so people know there are good guys out there. And uh, my favorite part of my show is people tend to send me questions for my Ask Dick Tales que- or segment. You can ask me anything you want about me or my guest or send me in your weird dating problems. And people want my advice for some reason. So it's, uh, it's a lot of fun. And it's dirty, so don't listen to it with your kids. <laughs> yeah, especially not in a car. A, Andrew learned that the hard way. <laughs> <laughs> so what I say is it's an informative show, is that if you are in the dating world right now in 2022, uh, it's kind of good information. As a dude who's been married for 15 years, it's kind of hard for me to relate to uh, what you're going through, Carrie. But um, your your misery is my entertainment, I guess. <laughs> I'm so glad that you love it. Um, yeah, it's a lot of dick pics. That's the biggest thing. If you want a real, you want to know what it's like to be dating in 2022, you get a lot of unnecessary dick pics. Which I think yeah. is like your most recent episode. This talks about that, right? Yeah, my most recent episode is called To All the Men, Please Stop Sending Dick Pics. Nobody Wants Them. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know if I were dating in today's world, if that's the first thing I would like I don't get it. I don't get it either. Um, If I, so when you're on the apps, you can't really send them. I, all the apps that I am, I'm on two, I'm on Tinder and hinge. And as far as I know, you can't send a picture on any of those apps unless it's like a God, what's the gay app? Grinder, grinder. You can, it's almost exclusively dick pics on grinder. <laughs> well, that kind of makes sense for that one. Yeah, it does. Okay. Um, but Tinder and Hinge, you can't send <laughs> pictures. So as soon as I give somebody my phone number or my Snapchat, I have to brace myself because I'm probably going to get a dick pic. And I usually do. Mm. And I posted something about that on Twitter yesterday or two days ago. And then I was actually messaging Sean about this episode and coming on. And I was looking in my DMs and I had five dick pics and they're like, Oh, I hear you rate dicks. I'm like, no, that's not what my show is. Please don't send them to me. Pictures and videos. Actually, if you guys want me to share it in our chat here. No, 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 that's That's, okay. It's perfectly fine. We'll take your word for it. Yeah. All right. If if you're sure. Yeah. No, it relates to the film in any way, maybe, but, uh, I think we're good. I could probably stretch it. Um, I probably actually have wait. Some, there is one car- scene that some carny dick in this movie <laughs> yeah. in the in the DMs. We'll see. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, speaking carny of dicks, dick. I guess really there's only one nudity because the the you know the beginning of the movie you know it says rated R for violence, language, and nudity. And I thought, oh, okay, mm-hmm. we're gonna we're gonna see some stuff. And you get to see uh, you know you get a little bit of a uh, Bradley Cooper's uh, ween there, but that's about it. When was that? I missed that shot. It's in the bathtub when he 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 is very oh. naked in the bathtub when Tony yeah. Collette grabs him, and uh, you you can tell that they went method on that. Like she grabbed him. So. I completely missed that. I think I was multitasking. I saw. I I know the scene you're talking about, but yeah. I'm gonna have to go back and check it out. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Uh, okay. So. Um, 
Yes. So like I said, 2021's Nightmare Alley. And uh, this movie was intriguing to me, mainly because of the director, uh, Del Toro. I'll just uh, save my embarrassment and just say that. Uh, Guillermo is his first name. Yeah, I know. For some reason, that's hard for me to say. Um, (laughs) Mr. Del Toro. uh, Really good director. I like most of the things that he's directed. So I was really intrigued to uh, to see what this movie was and to and to watch it. And um, this is not at all what I thought it was going to be. I'm interesting to hear your guys' thoughts because I know that this was a first time for all of us. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I, I mean, literally, I think it's. Uh, I for some reason I thought this was like a horror film. So did I. And because I think when I was nightmare three. Well, I think because. When I was doing my, so what I do is when I, I asked my guests, hey, would you like to come on? Yes. All right. So what kind of movies? Sorry. My dog just literally shat on my feet. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> do you want to pause the show? No. Keep, yes. Hang on. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> oh. I hope you keep this in. <laughs> yeah, I probably will. Oh no. Uh, <laughs> um should we keep talking about the movie or I don't know. It's your show. What do you want to do? All right. Well, this is what we'll do. Andrew is cleaning up. I think he can actually still hear us. So this Andrew, is Andrew, what... can you hear us? His mic is off. I he guess can't. he can't respond. He so. can't respond. He turned his mic off. Ah, got it. So I'll say this. Uh, I think most people know this. I like to kind of give a little inside baseball here is that, you know, when I give movie options to the guest, I always ask, what are some of the genres that you like? And so when I go to just watch, I type in, it gives you categories of genres. So I hit, you know, action, adventure, comedy, horror, whatever. Right. And so you and I were talking, I was like, Hey, what's some things you like? You're like, Hey, I like thrillers and horror. And, uh, but you also like nineties uh, comedies and, and things like that. Yeah. And uh, comedies are kind of hard to do for the podcast sometimes, but we'll do them occasionally. So when I clicked horror, this was one of the movies that popped up. So I thought this was going to be kind of like a horror freak show kind of a thing. And it's not at all that. No, I was expecting like horror thriller and it's much more of a drama than anything else. I, I mean, are we talking about the movie or are we still doing background? I I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the movie, but it wasn't what I expected. Yeah, that's 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 the same for me. And um, while we still wait for Andrew, so I'm gonna do this. Uh, we usually we do the read, the IMDb read. So while Andrew is uh, busy, I will say <laughs> that this movie, Nightmare Alley, a grifter working his way up from low-ranking carnival worker to lauded psychic medium, matches with wits with a psychiatrist bent on exposing him. And by exposing him, I don't mean like the naked exposing. I mean like no, somebody else exposed him. Yeah, he did that technically himself. He took his clothes off voluntarily, I think. So, well, he was in the tub. He was in the tub, and there was Tony Collette. So, yeah, why not? I think he liked he liked it. Well, he liked the grab. Yeah, I mean it's Tony Collette. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm here for it. <laughs> so, uh, so Carrie, why don't you give us your five word review? Okay, my five-word review was it took me by surprise. That's good. Okay. Yeah. So I I tend to think that movies are predictable these days. And there were a couple parts of this. Like, so I have notes. I'm a nerd. So I sat here and like studied. I'm writing stuff down throughout the movie. Um, 
And a lot of the time I'm guessing things that are going to happen. When I see it, I'm like, oh, this is what's going to happen. This is what's going to happen. And there were a handful of them that I was right about. But for the most part, I wasn't. And the movie did not go anywhere that I thought it was going to. And I enjoyed that a lot. All right. Yeah, that's cool. Um, so you did say that you liked it. So, um, can I go into that? Like, so what are the things that you liked about it or, or, or didn't like about it or anything like that? Give me, give me some more there. Again, we're, we're kind of having to vamp a little bit without Andrew. Can I do a little story time? Of course. Um, Yeah. Oh yeah, you did. You did tease me that you had like a, 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 a viewing experience. Yes. So it took me three times to watch this movie. Um, Andrew, I think, is listening, but maybe doesn't know on my podcast. There you go. His <laughs> name was a thumbs up. <laughs> We're sorry, Andrew. <laughs> um, on my podcast last weekend, I'm going to do a shameless plug really quick. I handcuffed myself to another friend who has a podcast for 24 hours. And during that 24 hours of handcuffs, we decided to try to watch this movie. I'm like, I have to do this anyway, and that will eat up some time. It's like two and a half hours long. So I tried to watch it with Colin from Trash Panda Podcast, and he hated it. Like we, one minute into the movie, and he absolutely hated it. Is bitching about the whole thing. He hates Guillermo del Toro. He hates period pieces. Um, he thinks it's predictable. Like he's like throwing out all this stuff the whole time. Or watch the very first scene. He's like, I guarantee you, this is going to be the last scene in the movie too. You know how movies kind of do that? They start yeah. out with something dramatic, and then it's one of the end scenes. So he hated it. And so I couldn't even watch it the first time. The first five minutes were just a constant bitch. And then I think we made it 20 minutes total until I was like, obviously we can't watch this. So then we watched Nightmare on Elm Street, which I think you watched last week. (laughs) We just turned that on instead, um, which was a good switch. And then I tried to watch it again last night. I made it about halfway through and I fell asleep, but that was not because of the movie. It's just because it was one o'clock in the morning and I shouldn't have started a two hour movie at 11. Sure. Um, or two and a half hour movie, but, and I had to finish it today. So yeah, it was, it was an experience watching this movie, but I liked it. I thought I liked all the actors. I thought they all did a really good job. When you hear the cast, you know, Tony Collette, Willem Dafoe, Bradley Cooper. Um, who's the other chick, Kate Blanchett. Mm-hmm. Like they're all great. So I was already excited about it and I don't really like carnivals. So even though this was not a scary movie, I was kind of tense through a lot of it because carnivals and circuses freak me out. Um, so it just kind of kept me on edge, but interested the entire time. Like it was a little bit of a slow start. The first two times I tried to watch it, I was like, well, it kind of starts slow, but as soon as you're in, you're hooked. And then I didn't want to stop watching it. Awesome. Okay. Yeah. What do you think about it? Well, I'll do my five word review. Um, okay. So mine was, uh, though, so we, we sometimes cheat on our podcast and say a five word review, but sometimes it's six. Andrew typically ignores this rule. Um, Hey, I went exactly five. So I know I, I should get some credit for that. And I do appreciate that. I mean, mine can be five words. Uh, if we, um, combine two of them yeah. into one word. So like remove the verbs. <laughs> uh, well, <laughs> yeah. So uh, I did greatest showman. So if we do greatest showman as one word for because mm-hmm. it's a movie title, greatest showman meets Wolf of Wall Street. You know I haven't seen either of those movies. Oh, that will make no sense to you then. But 
I mean, I know what they're, I know the movies, but I haven't seen either of them. Those are both great movies and they're both very different. And, mm-hmm. and the reason why I, I'm, I mean that is that The Greatest Showman, this movie reminded me of The Greatest Showman in that the, the main character, Hugh Jackman's character, Bar- Barnum Bailey, uh, Barnum, P.T. Barnum, excuse me, is a kid who grew up in a time, roughly the same time period, honestly, um, a little before this. I think it's still like the late 1800s going into the 1900s. And uh, he, you know, he's a kid from nothing. And he falls in love with this girl, like really young age, and decides that he must make himself something of himself to prove to her parents that he is worthy of her love. And, and ultimately creates the circus. He's like the inventor of the modern circus and rises to the, these heights, but it's never enough. And then rises, rises, rises until a thing happens. And then he has to like, you know, come crashing down and in the process nearly loses his family, but it's a happy movie. He like rebounds and then it's happy. Right. So that's okay. kind of where the parallels end with this movie. And then Wolf of Wall Street is very similar. You know, he's a guy who wants to, you know, build an empire and build an empire only in this case in Wolf of Wall Street, he doesn't care who he hurts in the process. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has his group of people, but other outsiders are, you know, tools and pawns and whatever. And in that movie, you know, again, which is real life, you know, he, he ends badly. It ends badly for him. Uh, kind of ultimate. So that's kind of why I said those kind of two movies is that there's a little, there's some parallels to that. Um, well, yeah, it sounds like the biggest parallel is that in all three of the movies, you have somebody who comes from essentially nothing who throws themselves completely into whatever their chosen career is only to lose it all based on greed, really. Yeah. Greed and showmanship. Exactly. Like the, the not being, you know, satisfied, always trying to get the next score. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, like there's a, there's a moment in the movie where he, he makes a bunch of money and if he just walks away, life is fine for him, but he has to push it. He has to push it. He has to push it. And then till ultimately he's killing people and his wife, I guess wife or, you know, longtime girlfriend leaves him. And then he finds out Kate Blanchett's not really what she thinks, you know, what she seems. And he's getting, oh, man, I loved that scene too. Oh, she was, I, I mean, so I didn't know really how you did your podcast, but I will just say the whole scene with them in the therapist's office, whenever, like the first time he goes to meet her before she starts this intense guerrilla warfare therapy thing that she does with him, it, there's this whole cat and mouse game between the two of them. And they both think that they have one up on the other person and he's looking at her as an equal. And I think that's why he's more honest with her than he ever is with Molly, his wife. Yeah. Because he likes Molly and he does, you know, he calls her a badass in the movie or not. Yeah, he calls her a badass and he says something along the lines of like, she's stronger than I could ever be or something like that. But or maybe tougher than he can ever be. But he doesn't respect her in the same way. And he looks at this doctor character, Kate Blanchett's character, as the same kind of master manipulator. But he doesn't realize he got completely played and I kind of I felt a little bad for him honestly but I loved it at the same time like I didn't did you see that coming that was part of what my surprise was I was not expecting her to double cross him I wasn't expecting it but it also didn't surprise me if that if that makes yeah. sense it's it's one of those things where it's like the movie gives you some real subtle hints like when he steals the key to her 
recording device. She mm-hmm. hears it. So she yeah. knows what he's going to do. And so she also knows that she can use that to her advantage later. Mm-hmm. So she is always like two or three steps ahead of him. Um, the one thing that I really kind of liked in this movie, and I'd be really interested to hear your opinion, specifically yours. Sorry, Andrew. Is that, well. It's, welcome back, Andrew. Welcome back, buddy. Hi. <laughs> um, is that most of the women in this movie are like kind of badass women. Yes. Like there's almost no one that is a, no female that is a true victim. Right. Or like a meek character. And I, I'm not surprised that you, I, I loved that. Yeah. That's one of the things I loved about this movie. Um, specifically, I said like at the end, whenever Molly is finally completely done with Stan's shit and he's trying to like after when they're leaving the car and he's telling her that this is our plan and she just slaps him across the face, turns around, walks away, yeah. says nothing. She doesn't say anything. She doesn't listen to what he's saying. That is such a badass move because she's done and she already told him she was done and he doesn't listen. He's just, he's always playing the game and he wasn't listening when she said she was done. No. And you know, I'm here for a badass female all the time. <laughs> well, and, and I am too, honestly. And, and it's also really kind of nice to see, and I know this is a modern movie, right? But it's nice right. to see a modern movie show women in the 1940s as being powerful and right. savvy and smart. And I mean, he gets, he gets played by kind of every woman in his life, right? Cause Tony Collette turns him into what she needed him to be. Right. And then what do you mean by that? Well, like I kind of felt like when that whole scene with her in the bathtub and the thing, right? Like she realizes this is a guy I can use, right? That he's attractive. He's got that Southern draw. I can make money off of this guy. So. Yeah. But I think he very quickly, I don't, I think maybe she wanted to, and she wanted to use him sexually too, obviously. Sure. But I, he, she really quickly knew that he was not going to be, like, he couldn't be abused and abused by her because he turned the tables. He was into Molly. Right. Well, yeah, he was into Molly, but I, what I, my, I guess my point is, is that like, she doesn't become a victim of his. It's not like he, right. he turns the tables on her ever. Like she's always kind of in control. The only thing that he can do to hurt her is when he kills her husband. Right. Um, no, I think it was more that she is a very knowledgeable woman and to be, you know, to really be a carny, you, you see a lot, all of these people are master manipulators. So I felt like everybody was kind of at his level and he wasn't expecting that he's used to being at the top of this master manipulation and he wasn't through any of this movie. Yeah. He thought he was. Yeah. The only time really, he really had a, a leg up on anyone was like the sheriff and then the, uh, you know, the dude at the end until, until the end, um, I'm being kind of vague there, but, um, yeah, no, again, to the point, I just, I, I liked that the, the women in this movie were, were kind of all badasses and, and awesome. And it's just kind of refreshing <laughs> to see a movie like that. So I was actually I really, I was really glad to see it in this movie and go, Hey, I'm really glad, you know, Carrie is going to be on the, 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 to see this also, uh, to experience that. Andrew, what is your uh, five word review? Okay. Sorry. I'm having to power through the smell of this room. <laughs> um, everything is clean now. 
but uh, there's a there's a linger. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Anyway, okay. Uh, the You're whole a true Bath and Body Works <laughs> the whole Bath and Body Works candle is not strong enough. Oh no! All right. Yeah. So I have two five word reviews, and are they? Yeah, they're both five. If you count one. <laughs> That See, is hyphenated. I told you, Gary. A hyphen counts. A hyphen totally counts. Okay. Word. All right. See? Yeah. But usually I don't pay attention to the rule, but I was proud of myself for getting two that were five. Uh, so morally bankrupt man. Oh, wait. Yeah. Uh, beautiful film noir. Okay. Yeah. So that's number one. And then number two is a modern Grimm's fairy tale. Oh, I could totally see that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it because does. It's yeah. very... It's very dark. It's very, very much, uh, uh, you know, a, a story about one person, the central character who goes through this thing, right? Which is what happens in pretty much every fairy tale in which we learn a moral lesson. And so that's kind of what happens here. And, um, you know, the first one I said, it's a beautiful film noir. Uh, I think that. Del Toro did a wonderful job of creating this universe. And, you know, you really feel like you are in the 40s here. Um, Everything that we've seen that is actually from the 40s is black and white. Right. Right. And so to see this world in color and not just be colorized by Discovery Channel or whatever, you might see a History Channel. um, It's kind of cool. Now, I know it's it's all fake but it feels like you're in that that real world um and i think del toro does a great job of creating these worlds in a lot of his movies um i don't i don't think that's something he's bad at and he is known for his attention to detail and i think he nailed it in this one um i I always say that it's a good movie if it keeps my attention and sorry i just kicked my table um and if um I'm trying not to put my feet down below me. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) um, And this one did. It kept my attention the whole time. I didn't want to, like, you know, do other things. I wanted to know what was going to happen next. And uh, I was sort of halfway listening as I was scrubbing the floor. But I think you guys were talking about uh, maybe a predictability in this that, you know, you saw something go. Did you mention that? Yes. I I think there was a little bit at the beginning, there was some predictability. Like, so the whole thing with Pete, as soon as when he was, when Pete was in the rain going to buy, uh, trying to convince whoever to sell him more alcohol and doing it all behind Tony Collette's back. I'm bad at character names, but he was in the rain and, uh, Stan was watching him. He was sneaking around watching him. And immediately I'm like, he's going to kill Pete. Like I wrote that down right away. He's going to totally kill Pete. And then when later we saw, oh, well, this is the alcohol and here's the poison. I'm like, okay, clearly he's going to poison Pete. Yeah. So there was a little bit of that, but the overall story didn't go where I expected, which I liked. Yeah. It's almost I, a I, challenge for me these days. I think movies in general are so predictable. So it's almost a yeah. challenge like, please surprise me. Please hit right. me with something different, an original thought. And this is actually a remake, isn't it? Wasn't the ori- there was a movie from yeah. the 40s? So I would be interested to watch that because um, I actually like period pieces. But although it's a remake, so I guess it is not an original thought. It was to me. I was not familiar with the story. So it seemed original, and I appreciated that. There was a little bit of allegory that I really enjoyed, which was the uh, when the geek escapes and they go to find him and they go in the fun house. Yeah. 
and you know it shows greed on the wall and it shows a mirror of lust and it shows you know all these different things that he is about to just dive head in you know head first mm-hmm. into and uh, it, it's kind of an allegory for the rest of the movie um, that he's going into this funhouse. That's a good way to put it because I I was taken by the funhouse scene too, mostly because at first I, I almost thought it was a hazing thing. I think I wasn't, I missed the geek running away and I just saw him be like, come on, we have to go, we have to chase him. And I thought that they were all just screwing with the new guy, just trying to get him in this funhouse. But yeah, it was. They all had the seven deadly sins all over the wall, and it was a very creepy funhouse too. It got me thinking: Have either of you ever been in a funhouse by yourself? Because that sounds terrifying. So, like that of, would be my nightmare. So, some of our listeners know this. Uh, I worked for a local theme park here for uh, a handful of years, and during the Halloween season, we turned the park from Carowinds into Scarowinds, and nice. we had. Uh, they're called mazes, which is the wrong name for them. They're basically because it's a path you follow. It's not like you're having to find your way out. You just follow a path. So it's a fun house. And about four or five of them are permanent, permanent structures that are built all the time. They're just closed off to the public. So working in the entertainment and the tech uh, field, there was a, you know, going into Scarewinds, sometimes I would have to go and help set up some of those things, build some props or, set up some lights or speakers or whatever. And I helped build one. Uh, the one that I helped build was called Defects, uh, as in D-E-E-F-E-X, but, but as in defective toys. And this whole right. thing was like a defective toy, uh, whatever, uh, factory. And we got this, when I say a pallet, someone had died and had donated these baby dolls. So I'm talking every, when I say baby dolls, everything you can think of, there was a pallet. I'm talking 500 baby dolls came wrapped in a pallet and we had to nail these things to the wall and stick hoses through their faces and, you know, mutilate <laughs> that these in things. itself is creepy. It is really creepy, especially since dolls. it was an old man that had these things. It's, it's a little strange anyway. Okay. But to your point, Carrie, so there were two mazes that are fun houses that kind of as a hazing for the new guy, we had to walk through, when the, when the system was off, so you just have to walk through them with no flashlight, um, just experience them. One was why no flashlight? It's just part of the experience of it because when everything yeah. is on, you to can traumatize you. you. Oh, yeah, it is. It's definitely to scare you. Or maybe you had just your flashlight because otherwise you wouldn't see anything, you'd crash into <laughs> things. Uh, so we did Last Laugh, which is a clown theme, you know, horror, whatever. And no, we have that. we had scent. Um, machines, so it smelled like cotton candy and popcorn in there, which was actually kind of neat. But that one's a little weird, but the one that really gets me, got me, was one called Slaughterhouse, where it's a it's a slaughterhouse, and there's a scene where, or there's a part where you walk kind of across a bridge and you look down, and there's a, it's a, a, a mannequin. It's not a, it doesn't move, but it's a mannequin holding a butcher's knife, and there's all these dead pigs and whatever. And I swear to God, when I walked through it, that thing moved. And when I when I saw that, I started to run. And the guys were like, uh, there goes one. And then I hear the next guy behind me go, oh, shit. And then he starts running. So I'm like, yeah, uh-huh. So I've, I have done that. It is a pretty, your brain can play some fun tricks on you. Oh, yeah. 
Oh yeah, I have an overactive imagination, so I don't need to be in in a situation like that. Yeah. Like I go to a haunted house, and I am afraid of clowns, and they always realize that, so they chase me. Yeah. Um, or follow me through it, and my and whisper my name, and yeah, no, thank you. Yeah, I mean, the only rule is is that they can't touch you, and. But a lot of these places do. They still do. Well, they're not. They're well. I should say my park. They we weren't allowed to, and. Everyone I've been to has been a you can't touch, but I walk with my hands up like this, like in front of me. Yeah. And if someone does, I'm like, I will hit you. And I'm and not even, I don't want to hit you. <laughs> yeah, it's a reaction. Reflex, I will hit you. Don't touch me. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. Don't touch me and stay out of my face. Exactly. Uh, yeah. The, the the short version of this story is I did see a kid knock over one of our, uh, she, she, she was called a, um, we had some of the monsters in the park were tandems, right? So like one person, she would dressed up like a sh- like a statue, and then the tandem scare was a guy with a chainsaw. So like you're staring at this woman looking like an angel statue, and so you're staring at her, and then you don't see the guy with the chainsaw come up behind you. He rips open the chainsaw. You run away screaming. Like that's the, that's the bit. So she's leaving to go take her break, so I'm escorting her, and some kid pushes her down, and... I grabbed the kid. I physically grabbed him by the arm and pulled him over here. And in that moment, I thought, I'm getting fired today because I grabbed a a park guest. And I took, you know, I called the cops. The cops came over. Um, They kicked him out. It was a thing. But I didn't lose my job. I was honestly surprised. But anyway, not the point. The point is, is that this movie, um, Nightmare. Before we go back to the movie, can I say something about um, haunted houses. Yeah, please. Have you guys seen the places in California where you, I can't remember what it's called. I know there's a place you have to sign a waiver. Like you have to sign a legal document to go and you're essentially signing away 24 hours for them to do whatever they want. They can bury you alive. They can cover you in cockroaches. They can have people grab you. And I mean, you could be waterboarded. It's this entire torture chamber experience it's there's like, but there's a wait list of like 50,000 people if you want to do it. And I just don't like know yeah. why do all these people want that? <laughs> like, yeah, I don't think so. No. And I, I would be the person, even if I could be excited, like when I watch a scary movie, it's usually my idea and I'm excited. I'm like, guys, let's do this. Let's watch this movie. It's so scary. And then I am also the person hiding behind my pillow. Like, why did you make me watch this movie? <laughs> like, <right afterwards. laughs> so I would be in that haunted house just living instant regret. Like, I don't think I would ever get over that if that was something. Cause you can't, you're telling them you, you are agreeing to being, letting them do whatever they want to you for 24 hours. Yeah. Yeah. And it can be, I mean like torture scenes, simulation of rape. Like they won't rape you, but they could talk about it. Like they could act like they're going to. And I just, why would anybody do this? The, the, the part that my brain goes to is not just, why would you sign up for that? But who the hell wants that job? Yeah, really. Just people, you know what I'm saying? Like, that might even be weird. <laughs> like, like the people that That's worked at true. our, the people that worked at our park in the, in the monster roles. So like, there's lots of different types of monsters. I mean, I had friends, they just like to dress up in weird makeup and they just walk around and whatever. Like, and that was fine. The, the people that really, really drove me crazy because um, there's a there's a couple of rules at the park. You can actually get a bracelet that you wear that says "Don't scare me," right? Like maybe you want to go to the park for the fun of it. Maybe you want to go ride the roller coasters at night, but you don't want someone coming up and like following you, like you like what you experienced. Because th- they can do that. They can follow you. They just can't touch you. 
but you can have a bracelet that says you should then why would you go if well, you're if you why are you going to a haunted house to say but don't scare me well i can i can understand <laughs> don't touch me do not touch me because i'm won't be held responsible to what i do in return sure. but don't scare me. I signed up for that when I came to your haunted house. Well, again, it's not just a haunted; it's a theme park, right? So, I mean, if you just if all you want to do is ride the roller coasters at night, then that's that's the only opportunity to do that is 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 then. So, but uh, they had they, there was some 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 group of uh, they're called sliders. So we have parts of the park where it was um, concrete uh, instead of asphalt, and these guys were gloves with metal metal fingertips and then metal elbows pads and metal knee pads and then boots with toe whatever and they would run and then drop on their hands and knees and slide and it would spark and then they would jump up in front of mm-hmm. you and it's yeah. a really cool effect and 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 they would just stalk around you and they'd click their fingers the metal <laughs> on their fingers it was really creepy but one of the guys he literally screamed in a stroller a mom now again mom should not have brought a child young enough to be <laughs> a in a stroller. in a stroller right we're talking like yeah a 2 year old or younger and he just screamed that's at this judgment, child that's the judgment mistake there <laughs> yeah and he screamed and the child cried now i grabbed that employee and pulled him off to the side and used a lot of language that i can't use on air but and then told his supervisor and, and whatever but like don't bring your two-year-old to a, a theme park that literally says it's rated PG-13. Anyway, um, back to the movie. Sorry. So <laughs> you've talked about the cast yeah, that, a little that bit. That reminds me when I got kicked out of Temptations, the Gentleman's Club, with my baby Bjorn. What? Sorry. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I didn't read. <laughs> Andrew's interesting. Can we talk great. about that instead of the movie? <laughs> Andrew's I'm got sorry. Great. No, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I just I had a thought and I had to go with it. No, it's fine. It's fine. So Carrie mentioned the cast of this movie. Uh, some of the other great uh, actors in this movie, uh, Richard Jenkins, who plays Ezra, the the really rich rich man at the end. Rooney Mara, who plays Molly. Uh, Mary Steenburgen, like, oh my gosh, she... <laughs> Yeah, she shoots her husband in the face. Holy balls! You know, like like that scene. And, was and if you know crazy. anything that she's done, you that's not something you expect out of her. No, no. that's another that's another thing I said. This movie took me by surprise. I liked that, yeah. that she took his seemingly. I mean, it was skeezy what he did, pretending like he was talking to their dead son, and you'll be connected with him again, and all of that. But she took that advice as, "Honey, I've been thinking about this, and how he said we could be reunited with Julian." By the way, you're dead now. So am I. And she—it was just such a crazy moment. I loved it. And she had such a smile on her face that that sweet, innocent yeah. smile on her face—it was just, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, it was creepy. Uh, Ron Perlman is in this, and he's great. And of course, you know, it just kind of feels like if Del Toro is going to do a movie, Ron Perlman has to show up at some point. Um, of course. And he's he—he's our Star Trek connection for the movie. Uh. Pete, we mentioned earlier, uh, it was David Strathairn. I love him. He's great. I just, he's just one of those actors where I've never seen him be not great. And I love his delivery. Like he is like the conscience of the movie. He's like Jiminy Cricket in this movie. If Jiminy Cricket were a boozy uh, mentalist who gets poisoned. Uh, (laughs) We, uh, Holt. 
I think he was in Spiderwick Chronicles, right? That's the only thing I could think of that I saw him in, which is a child's movie. So maybe neither of you have ever seen it. Um, I'm pretty sure that was the same guy. Uh, it could be. I'll find out. Yeah, but I, what else have I seen him in? Well, uh, we know him from Sneakers. He's the blind guy from Sneakers. Yeah, but he, there's something else. Maybe it's the Godzilla movies. Yeah, Godzilla he's in the monsters. Yeah, he's in that. He's in a couple of the Born movies. Born two or three, I think. He has such a common oh. voice. He does seem like the voice of reason at all times. That's where I know him. I know him from uh, The Darkest Hour, and he played President Roosevelt. Okay. Yeah, he, he yeah. is in the Spiderwood Chronicles. Well. Yeah, you were right about that. He is in that. Nice. Uh, he's in Lincoln. I mean, he's great. I just really got, again, yeah, Darkest Hour. He is the voice of President Roosevelt. Yeah. Um, but I, I love him from Sneakers. So any, any chance I get to make reference to Sneakers, I'm going to. Uh, and then also we got to see Holt McCauley, McCallany again. We saw him in Bullet. the, uh, what the, yeah. the, uh, he, he was bullet in that, uh, heist movie. Thing. Yeah. Wrath of man. <clears throat> Excuse me. Wrath, Wrath of, of man. man. I never can remember the name of that one. Yeah. Wrath of man with Jason Statham and a bunch of other people. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't too long ago. Yeah. It was just a few weeks ago. So. And then Tim Blake Nelson at the end. I didn't expect that at all. That was that was kind of a cool. Tim Blake Nelson was the carny boss at the very end of the movie who oh, okay. lays things out when you're like, oh, it comes full circle, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, I love that the full the full circle thing I felt was such a fitting ending for this movie. Yeah. Yeah, it was. I mean, so I, I guess we really haven't said this. Bradley Cooper's character. He is the uh, main character of the movie. He is not a good guy. Not remotely. At all. We know that he killed his dad. We don't know who else he killed before the movie, but he killed his dad and burned the house down. Yeah. Can we talk about how he killed his dad too? Because initially we didn't know. We just see him throwing this body into the floorboards and then he sets the house on fire. And when they flash back to it later and his dad is in bed dying. He opens the window, rips the blanket off of him, and it's like, I've always hated you. And sits there and just watches him die. It was most, the most savage thing I've ever seen. Yeah, he watches him yeah. die of hypothermia. That's a slow yes. death. I mean. And he enjoyed it. You can see that he just enjoyed it. He just wrapped himself yeah. up in that blanket and sat there. I mean, if he could have popped popcorn, he would have. You know. Oh yeah, for sure. You know, it, I liked seeing Bradley Cooper as the bad guy. He's kind of played. He's played the jerk before. He's been a douche, and you're kind of like, God, you're a creep. But he's never been the villain that I, in a movie right. I have seen anyway. You guys would probably know better. I don't have the movie podcast. Um, it's it was unfamiliar for me, and I liked that about him. Yeah. He played the character well. Yeah, he did. I don't. Again, the handful of movies that I've seen him in, you're right. He's usually either. The anti-hero, like in Guardians of the Galaxy, as the voice of Rocket. I mean, he's technically a good guy, but he also is a an asshole, um, and he's kind of an anti-hero in that. But you know, he's uh, he, you know, and Silver Linings Playbook again. He's I, I he's the hero, so to speak. He's also kind of an asshole. This is just he's a bad dude. I mean, he's a bad he's guy. A really he's, bad guy. Takes advantage yeah. of people. Uh, you know, preys on their on their hopes and whatever. And yeah, it's and even when you even when you think he's gonna be somewhat decent, like when he meets Molly, you think, well, okay, maybe he'll like actually try to be a decent person here. And no, like, not at he's, all. 
like I said in my five word, he's morally bankrupt. Like yes. he has no morals at all and is okay with breaking whatever, uh, you know, rules or, or moral logic that he wants. Because he's greedy. He yeah. just wants, yeah. he just wants more and more and more. And like, I think Sean, you were saying, even when he's comfortable, they have money. Like they're living the life in this luxurious hotel. This guy, um, what was his name? Ezra at the end was giving him $10,000 per session, which is so much money in general, but especially back in the forties. Yeah. So mm -hmm. much money. He could have walked away at any second, but he just kept pushing it because he has no boundaries at all. That was one of my things. Whenever he did, when he promised um, Ezra that he would try to make his Dory, is that her name, Dory? I think so, yeah. Try to make his um, whatever, his dead lover materialize. He's like, I like that he will do this. I wrote down, like, how does he think he's going to do this? What is, what's his plan? He's going to get Molly killed is what I honestly thought was going to happen. Yeah. I was ex That's how I was expecting the movie to end was – that Ezra would figure everything out and that Molly was going to die right in front of him. Well, yeah. Cause the movie almost sets it up, right? Like, cause when he's kind of giving his confession, you know, you start to find out that Ezra is also a bad man. I mean, he's like, yeah, yeah I've hurt women and like, he's done all this. He's done a lot of really terrible things. And, mm -hmm. and so you start to think, Oh, he's, he's going to hurt, you know, he's going to hurt her and he does grab her and he does, he does, you know, backhand her, which, you know, sends, you know, Cooper into a, you know, a fit and he, you know, beats him to death. And, but yeah, so, so to the ending, to your point, talking about predictability, I honestly thought that what one of the way I kind of felt like is in that moment when he eventually gets away from that moment, I thought, okay, he's, he's just going to go on and kind of become the David. Uh, Stratheran, the Pete character, right? He's going to eventually just go back to being like Carney, whatever, turn into an alcoholic and eventually, you know, like he'll pass the book on to the next guy. Like I thought that was kind of where we were going with this. And then you when him to go back to the carnival or back to like, go back in that life. Or, yeah. He kind of got to the more high end aspect of the mentalist. Like he wasn't, he wasn't a Carney anymore. He's booking private events and booking out ballrooms, you know? Well, yeah. So that's what I was saying. Like once I realized that then once she, uh, so then, then uh, Kate Blanchett, you know, she double crosses him like, mm -hmm. like hardcore. I mean, not just the fact that she shoots him in the ear. Right. But like she steals his money. She frames him basically using his words against him because she's a respected doctor and he's a guy that came after hours at appointment. So like there's all these things against running against him. And I thought, Oh, she's going to, she's going to set him up. So that's what made me think like, okay, he'll just go back to being a, a carny person. And eventually he'll just kind of waste away and be miserable. So when he goes down, down, like he just keeps falling, falling, falling until at the end of the movie, he's sitting in the office of uh, the guy who I, I just said from that movie. Uh, Tim Blake Nelson, like when he, Tim Blake Nelson starts doing the thing that Willem Dafoe explained during the diner scene about how you get a geek. It's like, Oh my gosh. Like, yeah. and then he just, the and movie, we all knew that was coming. Right. When that conversation started, I, mm -hmm. I was like, that's what's happening. We yeah. all knew that. Right. Yeah. 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 Well, as soon as it, as soon as he was like, okay, hold on, hold on. Have a sit, you know, one carny to another. Right. I got a job, but it's temporary. And it's that callback. 
like this movie yeah. does introduces a thing, then there's a payoff. Introduces a thing, and then there's a payoff. Like throughout the movie, and I really liked that. So Bradley Cooper just ends the movie just laughing, you know, fanatically, saying, "I was born to play this geek," you know, like, like he, it's in, it's crazy. Well, and. And that's an exact uh, opposition to what the other geek was saying. If you heard the geek in the cage at the beginning, he was saying, this is not me. Yeah, or like this isn't my Or Yeah, something like that. Right. And then Bradley Cooper at the end of the movie saying, I was born for this. Like, this is what I'm supposed to do. Well, in that Um, moment at the beginning with the geek, that was kind of his only redeeming moment, I felt like, in the whole movie. Because when Willem Dafoe was explaining to him, like, you know, I just find a drunk. I find a guy that's completely wasted and I put a little bit of opium in his drink to make sure he's really messed up and I just keep feeding him alcohol and can tell him it's temporary. That's what I do. And Bradley Cooper, you could see that he had some compassion for this man. And he even said, he's like, you poor soul or that poor soul. Like, yeah. He heard that story and was horrified by it. And by the end of the movie, he's like, you know what? I'm in. <laughs> right. Which was surprising, but also deserved in a way like he's so horrible in the whole movie you have to feel like he got what he deserved to yeah. some extent yeah i mean like like you're to your right even like his moral compass even as far as the one geek that they drop off at the hospital they're like well let's at least put him under the shelter so that he's not in the rain yeah you know, he couldn't like, believe they were just gonna leave him there yeah and then they go get steak and eggs and it's fine so <laughs> right um which i could go for some steak and eggs all right Anything else? Uh, Andrew Major made the point about if a movie, you know, has him. So one of my little weird rules is that if I take a lot of notes, that usually means I didn't like the movie. I took very few notes because there just wasn't a lot to write about. I was just yeah. enthralled in this movie. I mean, here are my all of my notes. My first one, Ron Perlman is our Star Trek connection. Number two, hygiene was clearly not a priority. Number, th- number three, I love David Strathairn. Uh, four, I noticed on, and this happens a lot. So Carrie, you said you, sometimes you'll write out, like you'll predict whatever. So I will actually write questions to the movie in my notes. And if the movie answers it, I think the movie did a good job. Sometimes I'll, so when I go back and capture audio clips for the show, I go back and have to watch some segments and I missed it on the first viewing when they're still at the carnival and the woman is looking for information about her son. And Tony Collette has to kind of do a cold read. And then she does the whole thing. Like, do you feel his touch on your shoulder and whatever? Then the scene cuts to her talking to that woman in the rain. And I missed that connection where it physically shows her telling the woman that, that it's not real. And I, I didn't, I, I somehow missed that on the, on the first viewing, which I thought was kind of neat that it shows us shows that moment. Uh, my next my next note was, oh, shit, she shot her husband and herself. That's all my notes. <laughs> well, that's it. So, you know, I, I, there was something that I didn't. I mean, I guess I understand because I've been into like Ripley's Believe It or Not and other places like this. But all the and I, I guess it's a hot topic right now in our country but all the fetuses in the jars in the jars oh my god that was so creepy yeah and then of course the the giant one with the enoch so enoch yeah Yeah. sewn up the middle with an eyeball in his in the middle of his forehead but uh 
you know, I don't, maybe as a, in today's society, maybe in today's world, I don't get that. Like, why would you want to see it? But maybe that was, I I just think it's back in the forties. That was like something odd that people wanted to look at. I don't know. Yeah. Well, it, it is. And you, um, you market it as not just fetuses. You market it as, Look at these weird creatures I found on my whatever. Like it's all like all of these, you know, Willem Dafoe well, was really true, yeah. great at the showmanship thing, you know, and, yeah. you know, here's Enoch. He killed his mother and, you know, yeah. like, like you make, you give it a story, whether it's real or not, it's irrelevant. You, you give it a story, which is why people want to pay to see it. They want to be grossed out. They want to feel like they're better than, than these other people. That's why you watch Jerry Springer. Because you want to feel better about yourself, um, yeah. So, yeah, I know I see your point, but I just think it's just part of Del Toro's world building. Um, well, and I think yeah. it was the shock factor of that too, because that is to see a fetus or some kind of baby in a jar. That was bad enough, but then to see him, he was like complete. I wanted the story of why was this kid cut in half? Like why was he sewn, mm-hmm. you know, halfway down his body the whole time? I was so intrigued. So I liked that they threw it back at the end. He showed up again at the new whatever the new bosses mm-hmm. um show the but radio. i was yeah i was hoping for a little bit more story there i was curious about it i just think it's interesting that when cooper sees it he's like oh it's enoch and he goes oh i like that enoch you know like yeah he, he's like, like oh that's a good story okay. yeah like he gives him the story to, to help sell to others that was interesting anything else before i play some clips um, I'll just say as far as notes go, I did take notes because I didn't really know what to expect and I'm a dork. Um, I, I would never have called myself a geek. I'm certainly a dork, but I'm not, ne- I need to look up what these words mean apparently because <laughs> I was so thrown by geek. But one of my things was, I thought there were quotes in the movie that I liked a lot. Um, so one of them was, and it's a total line. I, t- um, I tell you what, Carrie, Bradley Co- hang in there. Huh? I'll tell you what, let me play the clips because some of these okay. might show up. And okay. then, and then if it shows up, then we can talk about it. And if it doesn't, then we'll, we'll do that. Is that okay? Yeah. Cool. Uh, this was just Ron Perlman. So this, again, usually when I, I capture clips, I try to find some funny or whatever. This movie is devoid of joy. Let's be real honest. Yeah. If you've not yes. watched this yet and you're listening to this, there is zero joy in this movie. There might be a little bit of humor, but this is a joyless film. So if you're looking for happy, good times, Find something else to watch. It's not this one. It's not well, this it's one. about the struggle and the hustle. They're yeah. All, yeah. all of them are hustling the whole time. So the few clips that I captured, um, most of them are actually a little bit longer than than they I usually do. But I think it's mostly because I just really enjoyed the acting, and so I just wanted to just wanted to listen to it again. So here's Ron Perlman just being really Ron Perlman. All right, we got a storm coming through. I got to load out fast. I'm short a few guys. It's hard work. You get a dollar, you move on. No mooching around. Savvy? There you go. Savvy. I like that. I like Ron Perlman in all things. Uh, I captured this. because. Oh, he's great. He's just great. Uh, shoe flies. Oh, jeez. He dead? I don't need those shoe flies in here, Clem. Get them out of here. I like that. Shoe flies. I like how there's there's jargon that the movie gives us. And it doesn't spoon feed us with that. You know what I'm saying? He doesn't say, I don't want no shoe flies. And then Bradley Cooper says, what are shoe flies? Shoe flies are cops. You know, like. like, The the movie felt like 
kind of a peek behind the curtain into a different to a world you wouldn't otherwise know about. Yeah. Like it felt genuine. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, and I think that goes to the world building again. Like, yeah, you know, you you're in this world and you have these words that you don't know because we've not used them in many years or they've fallen out of our vernacular. Right. So it's, I, I agree. I'm glad they didn't spoon feed us. Yeah. Yeah. Cause they, cause we, we find out what that means later when the cops do show up, you see Cooper screaming shoe flies are coming or something like that. So you're like, Oh yeah, that means cops. Like the movie doesn't have to spoon feed your stuff. I like that. I like it when directors don't talk down to us as the audience. Agreed. Yeah. Here is, hey, if you're going to say the name of your movie in your movie, I will capture it. Oh, I ain't going to crap you up. It ain't easy. You got to pick up a broken drunk, a real alky, a two-bottle-a-day full seat. Pick him up from where? Nightmare alleys, train tracks, flap houses, you name it. Yeah. Still wish there would have been more Nightmare Alley in the movie called Nightmare Alley, but maybe, <laughs> maybe it's a metaphor for the for the movie i guess uh here's david strathairn so this is a long clip i'm sorry but this is just him being just so gosh darn good so just just tuck in it's about 30 seconds long when a man believes his own lies starts believing that he he has the power he's got shut eye because now he believes it's all true and people get hurt good God-fearing people. And then you lie. You lie. And when the lies end, there it is. The face of God staring at you straight. No matter where you turn. No man can outrun God, Stan. Yeah, that's great. It's just so well-acted and well-delivered. And yes, it is yeah. kind of telling the rest of the movie what's going to happen, but. Well, yeah, there's some foreshadowing, but Stan should have listened. Well, of course he should have listened instead of, I don't when know, you, when your kill mentor him. Is, when your mentor is like hitting you with some knowledge, you should pay attention. Yeah. <laughs> and I'll, I'll, I'll stand. Well, that was, goes back to my fairy tale. Like there's, mm-hmm. you're learning lessons in this. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Your fairy godmother is giving you the lesson you need and instead you kill her and steal her wand, you know, like. <laughs> That's what he does. Uh, I just like this kind of talk. I, I, I just like this. Well, you live alone. No man in the house. Got to have a gun at home. But you assume yourself to be a lady, so not a big pipe, something small, portable, 22, 25, four, six shot maybe. And since you like pretty things, nickel-plated ivory handle. I like, I like that he did that whole thing in one breath. Like you could tell he was losing yeah. it at the end. Yes. But I, I liked it. I, I liked that whole scene, but I, I liked that particular. I loved that whole scene, and part I wrote this down too. They had such, they had this like sexual tension and this whole undercurrent of cat mouse game. I know I said that before. I loved that scene. They they were really good together. Yeah, they were mm-hmm. In, instant chemistry. But like, mm-hmm. I think so much chemistry. I think pretty much any actress worth her salt is going to have great chemistry with him. Cause remember like the Oscars a few years ago when him and Adele, not Adele, um, Lady, Lady Gaga, Gaga. Lady Gaga. like yeah. did that duet on stage. Everyone was like, Ooh, are they, are they a, a couple? Like, no, they're actors. They're acting apart. <laughs> like, I think they were a couple for a while. Weren't they? Like he I, broke, he broke off his engagement. 
or something. I don't think like maybe, but not during the Oscars. I thought. Yeah, I thought that like I thought that was like the thing. There might have been a little something there. Yeah, maybe I, just, I, don't I know. think something was happening. Little little uh, Brad Pitt, Angelina Jolie, Mister and Mrs. Smith thing happening. Right. Uh-huh. Mm. Cheat on Jennifer Aniston. Ugh. All right. So this this scene I I, had, I cut because I just like how again there's a build up and then a payoff. Uh, it's a subtle one, but I I liked it. So here we go. Hands up. Turn around. I need your watch and your ring. Manners, friend. What was that? You should say please. Please. Raise your arms, please. There we go. So, like, he says please. He says, you should say please, friend. And then later on, when he's getting ready to get hooked up with the lie detector, the guy just says, raise your arms, please. And I thought, hey, he like he's he, learning. He's learning. Like even 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 Cooper, I think, is charismatic enough to get this hardened, you know, muscle man who was probably in World War One, who probably killed a bunch of Germans, you know, like this big grizzled man got him to say, please. I thought that was cool. All right. Now is our game. And this week, our game is sponsored by. Hi, I'm Jessica. I'm Sonia. And I'm Don Marie. And we are Opinionated Lushes. Like our name says, we drink too much and have an opinion on everything. Once a week, we get together to drink and talk shit. We start our episodes off with a question and a drink word. We usually never stay on topic or wait for the drink word to start drinking. So go ahead, grab a drink, any kind of drink, and get ready to laugh with us and share our drunken opinions. There's a new episode of Opinionated Lushes every Friday on all streaming platforms. And unedited episodes Saturday on YouTube. Have a cocktail suggestion? A topic of interest? A good drinking word? Feel free to DM us on Instagram or email us at opinionatedlushes at gmail.com. See you next week. Don't forget your drinks. And your opinions. And now if it's on all bad news. Ready? Our, our game is not only sponsored by that, but that podcast, but uh, it's also sponsored by um, OxyClean Carpet Cleaner. <laughs> I'll reach out to them and see if they want to sponsor the show. Yeah. All do right. Do you recommend them, Andrew? Oh yeah. <laughs> you do. You recommend job. OxyClean? All right. Yeah. Yeah. And Spotbot. It's great. All right. Uh, okay. So this is the game called "Hey, Did You Notice." This is a game where Andrew will ask us some questions about the movie, things that are in the movie, not trivia questions, but did you notice this moment or this thing in the movie? It is a back and forth. Carrie, you will go first. If you get the answer right, you win a point. If you get the answer wrong, I have a chance to steal. Best out of five wins the game, though you don't really win anything other than the fact that you get to beat me. Bragging rights. Yeah, exactly. I'm glad to know the trivia is about the movie because when you sent me the little shout out beforehand, you're like, oh, and we play a trivia game too. I'm like, what? (laughs) What did I sign up for? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I had no idea. So, okay, good. I can do movie trivia. Yeah. Well, again, it's not really trivia. It's just uh, it's uh, it's trivial things. Were you paying attention? (laughs) Yes, basically. Basically. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right, Andrew. All right. So Carrie has the first question. And if you don't uh, don't have an answer, I'll move on to Sean. Okay, bring it. Stan, all right. Stan draws three tarot cards: the Hanged Man, which was 
upside down. Mm-hmm. Uh, the lovers representing an urgent choice. And what other card or what did it represent? Was it, did it represent despair? The hanged man was the one that I was, th- I was thinking urgent choice and the hanged man that was upside down. I don't remember the first card. Was it despair or d- destruction? It was something like that. Because <laughs> you're so close. I Sean. know that I am. I know that I am, but it's not going to happen. I'm a burnout. Go ahead, Sean. <laughs> the only thing I could think, I thought it was a choice. Like he had to make it. The, the card represented a choice, a difficult choice he had to make. No. No. Okay. That was the second one. That was. It was the, like uh, his whole life blowing up. It was his whole life yeah. blowing up. What? What was it? The card. The card was the tower, and it represents downfall. 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 Yeah. Okay. So you're. Yeah, you I was were there right with there. the alliteration. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, Sean, this question is yours. What was on the table when Gimble threatened Stan after being reminded of what he did? Who's Gimble? <laughs> so Gimble is, uh, Ezra. is the Ezra. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, Ezra Gimble was his name. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's helping Ezra, and now he's reminded Ezra of what the terrible things that he's done. So then he threatens Stan, and there's something on the table. I don't, I don't know. Is it? Uh... <laughs> and they really stick out. There's, a, there's three of them. I'll tell you that. Oh, I don't, I don't know. Uh, delicious jams and jellies. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Carrie. Um, I was gonna go with a coffee cup. I don't. Rem- I have no idea what was on the table. What was it? Three oranges. Oh shit! Yes, there were. Yeah, there yeah, was a bowl of three oranges. Oranges on a tray. Yeah. Yep. All right, no points yet. <laughs> Carrie, this goes back to you. What is the name of Pete and Zena's rabbit? Hmm. They talk to the rabbit and they yeah, call him by the name. Yeah, the rabbit's in the in the hallway. It wasn't Sally. Was it Sally? That's what I'm going with. That's not the answer. That's not the answer. That's no, not Sean. The answer. Oh, I don't know, Carrie. <laughs> the rabbit's name was George. That, oh, that's a good name for a rabbit. <laughs> yeah. All right, Sean, back to you. Clem talks to Stan as they move the geek to the alley, and he asks if Stan has heard about the guy in, who has invaded Poland. Of course, he's talking about Adolf Hitler. Who does he say that he looks like, though? Oh, gosh. Charlie Chaplin? Yes, that's right. Oh, good. That's right. That makes sense. (laughs) Yeah. Yay. (laughs) All right. Carry back to you. You have a chance. This is my last chance. Okay, got it. Well, you can tie it here. As Pete is teaching Stan his mentalism secrets, he says that placing your left hand to your temple means you're asking for what? Is that the shape? It's not shape. I know we talked color. I'm going to go with yes. the number. It, it was color. Oh, man, I was giving That's the it. wrong answer anyway. <laughs> That's it. No, no, no. That's it. Okay. Yeah, he said basically uh, texture, color, or other specifics. So, yeah. so shapes are included in that, I guess. Okay. Yeah, you so gave, you've tied it up. You gave me that one, but thank you. Well, do you have a well, tiebreaker? No, I do have a tiebreaker. Okay. All right. <laughs> uh, and I guess whichever one of you knows this, just say your name. Okay. And the first one to say your name. All right. So here we go. What part of Molly's new act 
the Stan Call bullshit. There's one part of her new act after she gets to the new chair that he says, oh, that's just bullshit. Oh, uh, Sean. <laughs> yes, Sean. It's the spinning thing in the back, the spinning disc in behind. <laughs> the spinning wheel. Yes, yeah. that was it. Because the guy asked him, he's like, well, what's with the spinning wheel? He's like, oh, that's just bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So there we are. Well, Yay. Sean, you win. I could have done a better showing there. So who wins a prize? Didn't you say some like a random listener gets a prize or something? That was what. Well, we well, did my that. My dog o- is currently making it. I will. Um, <laughs> oh no! I will bag it up. <laughs> when we first started doing this game, I tried to do that, and when I reached out to people for for the the random whatever, they were like, "Nah, don't worry about it." So we just stopped doing it. So it's just a game for us to play, and for people oh, okay. people listeners to just participate. But. I will send you stickers. So there's that. Oh, so I win the prize even though I lost the game? You win the prize as being a guest on the show. You still get to, Perfect. You still get stickers. <laughs> there you go. Maybe I'll throw a, okay. uh, an extra sticker in this time. All so right. you, in your clips, you did not have any of my quotes. Can I give you a couple of my quotes that I liked? Absolutely. Okay, so the first one was, the one I said it was a line Stan says to Molly, he's talking about how the carnival is not good enough for her. Or he says, if it's not good enough for me, it sure ain't good enough for you. Total line. Like he was just laying it on thick with this girl. And it bothers me that she can't see that. Um, Okay, let's see. I liked whenever the sheriff got there and wanted to arrest Molly towards the beginning and like shut everything down. He said, we've got wives and daughters in this town and you're under arrest for indecency because what she was showing her legs, like she had a slight, I mean, it wasn't, yes, it was the forties or maybe the thirties at that point. I don't know what the time jump was from when they left the carnival. So they had this like, it's like 1939. Cause I think it did say two years later. It was a couple years, I think. But they wanted to arrest her for indecency, which just stuck out to me. Well, she <laughs> also is going on right now because she's wearing um, like a bikini top, too. So you get to yeah. see a little well, it wasn't bit of a her bikini, but it was like a lower cut top. It wasn't a bikini, was it? But you More see like her bikini. Yeah, but you still see her belly. You can see part yeah. of her belly you and see then her midriff, your midriff. And then yeah. her her shoulders are exposed. So, I mean, fun fact, Um she well, this movie was filmed during COVID, mm-hmm. and uh, they basically filmed the entire ending of the movie, and then COVID shut them down. So they didn't film any of that beginning. So they had to come back and do it. She gave birth during the time that they were oh, wow. away during COVID, and came back and had to do that beginning scene after giving birth, uh, or something like that. I read. Yeah. Um, so she looked great. Oh yeah, she's a hottie with a body. Yeah. yeah, she looks fantastic. Okay, I have one or maybe two more quotes. Um, the other one is, I can't believe you guys didn't bring it up. Stan comparing himself to a preacher. When he's trying to convince Molly in the last moment to go and, like, listen, we have to do this. We have to pretend. You have to dress up like Ezra's dead lover and try to convince him that you are her spirit materializing in front of him. And he said, as far as I can tell, this is what a preacher does every Sunday. Like, I'm just giving him hope. This is what a preacher does every Sunday. The audacity of this man and just how completely full of himself he is and that everyone lets him get away with it is mind-blowing to me. Yeah, no, that was, you're right. That was a good one, a good point. 
And then the last one um, is partly because it's just something I related to. It was Stan said this too. Sometimes you don't see the line until you've crossed it. I crossed it. I know that now. Um, I did feel like, did you guys believe him in that moment? Like when he, that's again, he's trying to convince Molly to do this and begging her like, listen, this is our last ditch effort. We have to do this or Ezra's going to kill me. Essentially is kind of what it made it sound like. I still thought that was bullshit. I thought this was going to just be one of many more schemes had it not fallen apart like that. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah. I totally, yeah. It was a total, he needed her because he needed her. Like he didn't need the person that she was to him. He didn't need his wife or lover or whatever. He needed a female that could act the way he needed her to. And she looked the part. She looked close enough to this dead woman that he's like, you have to do this for me and I'll do anything I can to convince you. Right. But I don't think she was convinced. I think that she wanted to just, she loved him. This was her last gift to him. Like, I will do this with you and then I'm done. Or maybe that's just my own, uh, my own beliefs sinking in there. I don't know. No, I think (laughs) your, I think your instincts on that are probably pretty accurate. All right. Uh, okay, time for this. Excuse me while I whip this out. This is where we do top three. This is where we give our uh, top three tonight. Our category is movies with carnivals or carnival scenes in them. And Carrie, you go first. I gave all three? Yeah. Okay, so the first one was the live action Dumbo. Um, okay. I had never, I've never seen the cartoon, actually. And I was... I took my niece and nephew to see the or the new one, and I was very, I was surprised in a good way. Like I was very moved by it. I loved it, loved Dumbo. So that was the first one. Um, then the Notebook for obvious girl reasons, and I loved that scene of Ryan Gosling hanging from the Ferris wheel, trying to impress the girl, just do throwing everything he had at her. Uh, that was intense. Can I? Can Last, I? I'm gonna I'm gonna interrupt you here. So that scene. So I have a little bit of inside knowledge on this. Um, you did tell me that you have inside notebook knowledge. So I, a friend of mine that was on a show that I worked on, he was the set medic on that. So on that scene, they actually are in the air on a Ferris wheel. They didn't stage that on the ground. They wanted it to feel high. So the actors would whatever. So the, the, obviously the camera crew are on a, um, like a platform, a raised, you know, platform. Yeah. Like a scaffold. Yeah. And, um, Gosling, is you know he's got a, like a harness that's under his clothes that you can't really see, but he's he is hanging there, yeah, uh, by the thing by his hand. Now of course he lets go and nothing happens, but like he's hanging there, and uh, the sound guy from that movie that show that yeah that movie who I also knew he said yeah my boom operator wanted no part of that, so we had to use lavaliers the whole time. He's like my boom guy wouldn't go up there. <laughs> I said I don't no, blame him. Afraid of heights. <laughs> yeah, I don't blame him. All right, so now you're number one. Um, my last one is, and these aren't ranked in order and there's random ones. It's love Simon. Have you guys seen that movie? No. Seen that one. It is, it's a newer movie came out within the last two or three years and it's about a closeted gay boy, like a teenage boy. Um, and he's kind of outed, like he has some kind of social media where he's connected with someone and they anonymously are sending each other messages, another high schooler and another kid finds out and outs him to the whole school. So he has to tell his parents and everybody else, but there's the scene at the end where he basically says, meet me at the carnival. He puts it all out there on a podcast to 
this guy. He doesn't know who he is. He's been trying to figure it out the whole movie, who he's been talking to, because so far he's the only one that's outed in school and everyone's making fun of him. So he puts this like love declaration out there and says, meet me. I'll sit at the top of the Ferris wheel for however long. Meet me on the Ferris wheel. And it's a really sweet moment. It's a sweet movie. Cool. All right. Yeah. Nice. Uh, I go next. And my three are The Greatest Showman, uh, Big Fish, uh, which is interesting that Tim Burton would also do. He would do Big Fish and Dumbo, little, little carnival stuff there. Uh, and uh, this is partially from my wife, but I actually did like the movie, and that's Water for Elephants uh, with your Robert Pattinson. That's another one I haven't seen. It's, I haven't seen any of those movies. I do have the book Water for Elephants because I plan to read the book and then watch the movie, but I've done neither. Sure. Well, so she read, my wife read the book and then watched the movie, and she said that the movie is actually really close to to the, to the book. Uh, there's a few, obviously some Hollywood stuff that they have to do, but uh, Reese Witherspoon, Robert Pattinson, and Christoph uh, Waltz is the bad guy, and he is such a good bad guy in that movie. So, uh, yeah, check it out. Water for Elephants. Uh, Big Fish, Greatest Showman. Andrew. Okay. I had uh, The Greatest Showman as a honorable mention. <laughs> um, and then number three, I had Shazam. All right. I haven't seen that yet. That's like one of the few DC, DC movies I haven't seen. Good one. You would like this one. Uh, yeah, I, I know. Movies, but you would like this one. I know. We should just put it on the podcast to force me to watch it. Yeah. Uh, number two, I have... Um, big with Tom Hanks. Oh yeah, yeah, that's a good and one. It is, and then number one, I have Batman Returns. All Which one of is good? Oh, yeah, Carnival. Yeah, the bad guys. The wrong. one with the penguin and cat. The, yeah, the Catwoman. Oh, okay. Yeah, they are at a carnival. Yeah. Or the carnival yeah. shows up, you know, right. to attack yeah. them. Yeah. yeah, that's good. I like it. I like it. There we go. Cool. Uh, we had a few uh, people on Twitter. Uh, I, I was super late in getting this out because uh, we were having power issues at the house about you know 30 minutes to an hour before recording. So I didn't get a chance to get on Twitter. So Ryan at, at the Ryan Sabold said, Freaks Dumbo, and I remember Big Fish being good. Was it? I kind of think it doesn't hold up. Also, Mew and McGregor stars. So yeah, I'll say us. All right. That was a lot. Yeah, okay. Yeah. No, Big Fish is great. You should go watch Big Fish if you haven't seen it. Also, Heather Sachs at, at Dorks, Dork of All Dorks. That's a cool Twitter handle. Says Freaks, the 1932 version, Carnival of Souls, 1962, and The Elephant Man, 1980. Uh, and that's it. That's just those two people. Uh, nice. And that's okay. Time for this. Yeah. Wait, what's supposed to happen? This is where we give the movie a score from zero to ten. Zero to ten. And Andrew goes first in this particular scenario. Well, IMDb puts it at a seven, just a solid seven, seven point oh. Um, I enjoyed the movie. I thought that, uh, you know, like I said, it kept my attention. I thought the world building was great. I thought the acting was wonderful from everybody, as we've mentioned. Um, there's just a you know the rewatchability i don't know that i would want to watch it again right away like maybe a couple of years from now if it's on or 
I don't know. I I might want to watch it again. Um, that's the only factor. You know, it's just like you said, it's not very – there's no joy. So you have to kind of be in a mood. You got to be in your fills to to watch this one. So um, I'm going to give it a 7.5 out of 10. All right. Oops. Uh, Carrie. Um, I also went 7.5. I actually wrote down 7 to 8 out of 10, but I felt the same way. Like, I don't think I'd rewatch this movie. I don't know if you were listening to this part, Andrew, when you had your (laughs) dog horribleness, but I tried three times to watch this. Um, I was into it the whole time. There were other factors going on. So I don't think I'd watch it again. There is no joy. Um, I really enjoyed the acting. I enjoyed the cinematography. Like when you were saying he built the world, every time we would go into like the doctor's office or I was really interested in what Ezra did because you couldn't, I like, what is he doing? But that whole set, everything they had, it was beautiful. And it was so attention to, there was so much attention to detail. Mm-hmm. So they did a good job, but I don't feel like I need to watch this movie again. Um, so I'd give it like a solid seven and a half. All right. That sounds good. Um, yeah, I too liked this movie. I, I, all the things you guys have said, I will echo. The only other thing I will say that none of us has said uh, yet is that the score to this movie is really good. The The music is really beautiful, and it never gets in the way. Like, it's just something that's – it almost just feels like it's just part of the set, you know, just always there yeah. to create some tension or um, it's just – it's just real subtle. And I mean, this is not a soundtrack I'm going to go out and put on my phone, but definitely not. um, Unless I just want to make myself feel sad for some reason, but it's not something you're going to walk away whistling though. No, no, definitely not. Well, but then again, there have been other great soundtracks that you don't like. I'm not going to go out and whistle Dune, but it's a great piece of music. It's the same thing. Like this is very, uh, you know, atonal and just, a lot of just long mm-hmm. chords and, and things like that, but it's good. It's a good, it's a good score. It helps set uh, yeah. the tone of the entire movie. It honestly. really does. It really does. That is exactly correct. But to make the math a little bit easier for us, I'm going to give this movie a 7.6 just because <laughs> that, that makes the math a little bit better. And that puts this movie at a 7.53 repeating, which I think is a good score. You know, what else has that exact same score is, uh, gross point blank. Fun so, fact. Yeah. Fun fact. Yeah. So 7.53 repeating. Um, I would watch gross point blank again before I watch this though. Uh, yeah. Agreed. That movie has definitely much more uh, rewatchability uh, to it. Yeah. Carrie, please tell our listeners once again, how they can find your show and what it is that you do and all that stuff. Um, okay, so you can find my podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, really wherever you listen to your shows. It's called Dick Tales, Sex, Dating, and All the Things. We are telling embarrassing stories. I get my guests to answer questions about their love life or sex life. We answer your burning questions, uh, whether it's your horrible relationship problems. You want to know the last time somebody wet the bed? That was actually asked last night. Um, and it, the conversation got really deep, actually, <laughs> deeper than you would expect. So, if you want sex, dating, and everything in between, listen to my podcast and follow me on Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat. It is a crazy ride. I can promise you that. 
That it Sean is. Sean regularly messages me outside of my posts and it's like, did this really happen to you? Or like he'd, he'll come to <laughs> slide in the DMs and ask follow-up questions. So I promise it's entertaining. Uh, yeah, I have done that. So I, you have. Yeah. Um, also, nice big PSA out there. Don't send dick pics to to people on the internet. Let's just let's just make that a big thing. We should stop doing. Well, I shouldn't say we. That yeah, men should stop doing. Anthony Weiner. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, we don't like it. If a girl wants to see your dick, she will ask you. Yeah. Put it that way. Yeah. And uh, even then, you know, your dick is weird looking. Just don't do it. Anyway, that's that's my PSA. Now, if you're Sam, though, you. <laughs> You send your wife dick pics on a regular basis. That is true. That is true. I was but, not prepared for that. Shit. Um, by the way, I've been sending Kimberly dick pics. There you go. That was <laughs> Sam. Uh, it's just he he showed up. He just called in to say that. He just. Okay. By the way, I've been sending Kimberly dick pics. Yeah. And uh, I'm not going to add context to that at all. I'm going to leave it just no. like that. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Sam sounds like a fun guy. <laughs> he is. He really, he really is. Uh, okay. That's it. That's our show. My gosh. Thank you all so much for listening. Carrie, this has been an absolute blast and an absolute pleasure having you on. Uh, I am so glad that we were able to uh, get this worked out and thank you for uh, adjusting your schedule as Andrew comes, came home from Niagara Falls and whatnot. So very much appreciate yeah. that. No problem. Thanks for having me on. I had a blast. Good. And um, maybe next time we'll we'll do this. We'll pick a more fun or happy movie to watch. Uh, something with a little joy in it. But in the meantime, go to our website, cheapseatreviews.libsyn.com. There you can find links to all of our other social media platforms that we're on. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. I do occasionally post stuff on Instagram, but I really don't very much. I'm just not good at it. I still haven't figured out how to leverage an audio format podcast on an image <laughs> formatted social media. Maybe Carrie can help me out. Her podcast on your stories. Yes. Yeah. You do it on your stories. Your, 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 your Instagram, uh, game is, is high and mine is very low. Uh, geek, well, thank you. geek level low is where ours is. Oh uh, no. <laughs> please leave us a review on iTunes or Google play. Or Spotify. Spotify is also a really great place to leave us reviews. We really appreciate that. If you leave us a review, I will read it on air like I did last week. Uh, we don't have any since then, or I would read it. But leave us a review. I will read it on air. It's so awesome that people do that. I really appreciate it. So go listen to our all episodes. Go listen to episode 400. We had such a good time. It was a really good episode. Episode 400. 10 people on at one time. It was amazing. Next week, I'm so very excited to announce. Next week, we are watching. I gotta find it. We are watching Lethal Weapon with uh, uh, Darren from Nostalgia Cast. We're doing the original 1987 Lethal Weapon. Very nice. excited. I haven't watched that movie in 15 years, so I'm very. Yeah, no, I'm looking forward to it. I oh yeah, too. I can't remember the last time I saw that movie. Yeah, looking forward. Very excited. That's it. That's the show. Thank you all so much for listening. And on behalf of Carrie and Andrew and Sam, this is Sean saying thank you all. So oh, and Andrew's dog, mind you. Uh, Andrew's dog gets a credit in the show. This is Sean saying thank yes. you all so much for listening, and we'll see you next week. This is Cheap Seat Reviews.